My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 139 of Legally Clueless. Thanks for rocking with this podcast. If this is your first time listening to this pod, remember you can join our online family on Instagram. We're at Legally Clueless Podcast. There's a link to that page in our show notes. And you need to check out, wait, 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 before you check out... If you like Twitter, you can, whenever you talk about this podcast, use the hashtag Legally Clueless and you can check out our YouTube channel because there is season one of our video series there. You can check out our tour series. Most recent episode is Legally Clueless Touring Paris, which I think you'll enjoy. So there's a link to our YouTube channel in the show notes as well, or you can just search on YouTube Legally Clueless. Noise disclaimer, nice and early. I do not know what... Fal is fighting with or watching (laughs) in the living room and I've tried to tell him to keep it down and he like does for all of five minutes and then it goes back up so if you hear anything in the background nobody is breaking into my office (laughs) it is just Fal doing the most the absolute most okay so in this episode is one of favorite is not the word it's like just a story that I super relate with. When I was recording this story, I completely fully understood the messages that come through the hotline when somebody says, I listened to this story and I connected with it. That's what happened with me while I was recording this particular story. However, it is a story that has everything to do with grief, which can be triggering. So if you're in a space that you cannot handle that, you may want to sit this one out from this moment before I play the teaser. This one time in Form 4, I felt like I have a burnout. I looked for a phone, of course, to help me call my mom. And I called her and I told her, I need to come home for a weekend. I need to rest. And I thought it was going to be a big deal. She was like, okay, when? Come for me this Friday. And she said, okay, fine. I'll just forge a letter or ask a doctor to say you have an appointment. Mm. Then I'll come over and pick you. I was so excited. (laughs) And I didn't know how to bake at that time. So she showed me how to bake. And I remember us dancing in the kitchen. And he ended by saying, ah, now we're getting to August. And August is the month where great people die. Instead of going home, he took a detour. He was going to a hospital. When he packed, I just asked him, are we going to a ward or a mortuary? My dad just banged on my door and just opened. I was so confused. I was like, what's happening? My mom was like, there and I'm there trying to do CPR and everything I could do everything I was watching (laughs) from Grey's Anatomy but I think I felt her spirit leave and I started praying. That is a story by Anne we're going to get to it in a very short while actually it's a pretty long story so I'm not going to be talking for too long in this episode so that you get to be immersed in Anne's story but before we get to that two things I wanted to share the first one is I'm, I'm so expanded today just so spiritually and emotionally expanded. So we have gone into production of season two of the Legally Clueless video series. And yesterday we were building our set. (laughs) Even just saying it is like crazy. Just like, what? We were doing what? Yeah. And we work with Mudoni Gitau, who is a DIY queen here in Kenya. She's been on the podcast before. In fact, that's how I started working with her. Because when I recorded her story, she did mention that she built sets. So when we were starting the video series, I was like, oh, wait, I remember that story. Let's ask her. So we were together yesterday and she was like building the set and she did a really good job. And today we had day one of recording or shooting stories. And when I tell you these stories are so powerful, oh 
my word. Each story was just like teaching me things. I connected with so many. It's 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 so wild how connected we are as humans as much as we think we're not. But when you hear somebody else's story, you connect with a learning, a lesson. You connect with a specific experience that happened today, like literally. One storyteller, I was like, I went through the exact same thing in the exact same sequence starting the exact same year so crazy and so whenever i'm recording stories any doubts any doubts i have about this journey i'm on with this podcast are completely erased when i'm in that moment listening to the story i feel like i'm seated in the most comfy chair in my living room after a long hard day at work what i mean by that i feel so comfortable i feel like that's exactly where I need to be in this moment doing this this particular thing I feel so sure about it it's just it's expanding and it's it's always such a magical experience I am on a high from that and the second thing that I wanted to share before we quickly jump into Anne's story because it's rather long and I want you to really just get the full story um without me rambling on for too long gratitude list I shared what's on my gratitude list last week and this week honestly speaking it's been actual people i had a point in the week where i actually was like crying tears of joy which is not shocking because i cry a lot but it was because i just felt so blessed to have a particular person in my life because of the connection and when i thought about it i have an abundance of those connections around me not exactly the same and when i say abundance it's not like i'm surrounded by like 30 people i connect with i'm talking about like three (laughs) just connections where you you feel safe you feel at home and it's connections that you didn't have to work on they just kind of happened from day one actually i lie it's not three i think it's just like one (laughs) But I I remember thinking the week that, yeah, this, this, this week's gratitude list is of human beings. You know, it's just sometimes because maybe it's people we talk to often. They're part of our daily routine. You forget how special that connection is, how rare it is and how blessed you are to have such a connection with another human. Right. And I was like, oh. That's what I'm grateful for this week. It's those people that I have real connections with that were sparked from day one. Like we didn't have to work on like honing the connection. You know what I mean? It just kind of happened. And I don't know. That's that's what's on my list this week. And maybe you need to think about who those people are for you. Then just jot them like a, a thank you message or a sweet message because it's, it really is rare. Not everybody gets to experience that. And yeah, that's on my gratitude list. Okay, before I, I lose myself in emotions and start crying for you. <laughs> I'm not even going to give you a song of the week. I was scrambling around trying to think about what song to share and I realized that I was just going to pick one for picking one's sake and I never ever want to do that. Each song that I shared just really want to be intentional about it. So in this episode, there's no song of the week, but there's Anne's story that I want us to jump into now. During our tour in August, we went to Nakuru. And of course, beforehand, I had worked slightly with each storyteller, kind of like knew an overview of the story they wanted to share, but not real details, so that it was still raw and uncensored, not performative. Anne had reached out and said she wanted to share a story about celebrating her friends. And I thought, that's really cool. I actually haven't recorded a story like that where we're celebrating friendship when she was actually the last story that we recorded in Akuru. When she came, she said, oh, I've changed my mind about the story that I want to share. I have no problems with that. Legally Clueless meets you where you are. And she said, 
I would like to celebrate my mom instead. I was like, fantastic. Great, we will go with that. I had no idea where this story was going to go. But it was one of the stories that I completely 100% related with. I broke down crying at a point while recording this story because I could see myself in Anne and I that, that had never happened. It, it has never happened to me in my life. So many things that she went through in terms of her mom were completely the same for me. And then I think what tipped me over is we went to Nakuru after we'd gone to Kisumu. And while we were in Kisumu, Kisumu, we went to visit my grandma. For those who do not know, Kisumu, Nakuru, these all places in Kenya, we went on tour in August. My grandma lives in our ancestral home, which also happens to be where all family members have passed away are buried, including my mom. Because Kisumu is so far, I don't get to go to my mom's grave quite often. And then obviously there's a pandemic, um, so there was not a lot of travel. But now we were there for the tour and I... I visited my mom's grave which was obviously very emotional for me a day after is when I was recording Anne's story so I was slightly emotional like on the on the verge (laughs) any small thing and eh, the tears will come and then here comes this young woman who changes her story and decides to share a story that sounds completely like my reality and experiences and this is just one of those stories I will absolutely never forget a hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. My name is Anombuindomo. I come from Nakuru, Kenya. Born and raised in Nakuru, in Lanet. My mind picks details in life that I feel like are insignificant. But then I find that I remember tiny details of situations or events that happened long time ago. So... I remember as far as nursery school. <laughs> and I remember I had this friend called Punam and she's Hindu. And she used to come with these shoes from, from Kitambo. Mm-hmm. We used to call them, call them palms. She had black ones, I had white ones. But then she used to come with them to school instead of the school shoes. Mm-hmm. So I really liked that. But my mom could not allow me to go to school with those shoes, palms. So I decided to hide them, hide my school shoes and say, oh, okay, let me just use these palms for today. (laughs) And it was almost closing day. I remember actually it was almost graduation day for top class. Mm -hmm. So of course I thought I was so smart, but she found my shoes. And she was like, why are you hiding your school shoes? Tipunam is coming with these palms. I want to, to look like her. Yes, so I remember tiny details. I don't know why I remember that. But I remember it was such a big fight and I was crying and I was like, let me just go to school with this. And during graduation, she actually allowed me to go to school with them. And coincidentally, she was the one cutting our graduation cake. And there's actually a picture of of that. She was the one coordinating and we were all surrounding there. And she was saying, C stands for I don't know what, A stands for what. It was really nice. So fast forward to class two. I remember joining St. Joseph's, it was Nakuru, and she took me there <laughs> on my first day. And I was in one green. Uh, she wanted me to go to one yellow because her friend was this class teacher there. I went to one green. I got tired of that school and I was crying for boarding school. <laughs> so in class three, I said, I want to go to, to boarding school in class four. I'm a, I'm a grown up, or so I thought. I was nine years old at that time. 
So in class four, she allowed me to go to the boarding school. So I went to another school. I did not even complete two years. I was homesick. I had ulcers. I used to call her almost every day. I need to go back home. And finally, she was like, okay, on one condition, you have to stop watching TV. You're going to get to today's school. So he said, okay, fine, I'll stop watching TV. And we were with my sister at that time. So they agreed we come out of boarding school. And I, I was in class five at that time. And we went to a day school and I was so happy. But of course there were conditions. No, no TV from Monday to Friday, only Saturdays, and still regulated till nine. There were so many conditions. But it was much better than staying away from her. So I fast forward to again, I remember in class eight, they decided that since I'm doing my KCP, they'll come over to school on our last day of exams and pray for us as a whole class. So it was such a wow moment for everyone. <laughs> and they were, okay, I was a celeb on that day. Because both my parents came over and they were reading the Bible. And I remember it was, um, you'll be the head and not the tails. <laughs> <laughs> all those motivations yes and so they prayed for us it was, it was such a bomb and coincidentally i, I passed mm. and of course most of the schools who which which are actually passing mm. high schools are boarding so then again it was time to go back to boarding school and i was like no even if i pass i won't go even if they call me to alliance i will not go it was a whole i was throwing tantrums and so she said, okay, fine, it's okay, you will go to whatever school you want. Later, I got to, found out she, to find out she was just playing with my mind. Because mm -hmm. if she says that, then I'll reconsider. I'll be like, oh, okay, she's, she's mad at me because of refusing a good school and I have good grades. So let me just, just reverse psychology. So yeah, I landed in a boarding school. It was so tough. I used to cry every damn day. Bahati Secondary School. They don't call it high school there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was... It was a sister school, it was so strict. I was just calling her, I was, I, it was so bad, especially in Form 1. So I went back to her and told her, I, I made a wrong decision, Let, just take me back to a day school. And of course, she'll give you hope. I'm looking for one. Next time, you won't be there. And next time comes, you still go to the same school. You're like, next year, <laughs> you'll still find another school. Ah, oh my God, it was so tough. And one year went, the second year went. And of course, I knew third year, I mean, you cannot transfer from a school and you've already chosen your subjects. Mm -hmm. Yes, so it, it, I just had to stay there. Yeah, so how I used to survive, I remember <laughs> every visiting, every anytime they, they used to come with my dad, I used to cry when they see them, when I see them and when they're leaving yeah. for some weird reason, even from four and I'm a big girl, I used to cry and cry. <laughs> So how I used to survive was this one time in Form 4, I felt like I had a burnout. And it was on a Wednesday. And so I, I, I looked for a phone, of course, it was not allowed. <laughs> I asked someone uh, to, help, to help me call my mom. And I called her and I told her, um, I need to come home for a weekend. I need to rest. And I thought it was going to be a big deal. She was like, okay, when? And I was like, this, this Friday, come for me this Friday. And she said, okay, fine. I'll just forge a letter or ask a doctor to say you have an appointment. Mm. Then I'll come over and pick you. I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> In form four and you, I mean, I was, I just wanted to rest. There was nothing serious. And when she came over, she played it so well. She had the letter signed. She was showing the principal and the deputy principal. And of course, they came with my dad. Now it looks so serious. And like, hey, okay, you actually need to go home to get a checkup. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. <laughs> so I went home 
and it was so exciting. I watched movies, you know, to such a nice time. And I felt, okay, now I can go back and do my exams. Mm -hmm. So such tiny details still linger in my mind. And of course, one of the greatest memories I have is prayer day, still from four. And they all came, now my whole family, my mm -hmm. brother, my sister, my dad, my mom, came in a color-coded you know, dressing. They all wore a shade of blue. And it was like, whoa, the whole school was. <laughs> They actually wore blue, all of them. So I really treasure such mm. moments. And coming to campus, um, they both brought me here. And I, I, I remember feeling so mad because they were like registering everything. And everyone here is big. Yeah. They're doing it for themselves. And I have both my parents here doing everything for me. And we're just sitting down somewhere. I was like, what the? Let me be a big girl. Yeah. I to sit up. But then looking back, I really appreciate what mm -hmm. what they used to do so i just remember even still in campus mm -hmm. the second time they brought me now with my suitcase and everything i still cried <laughs> when they're going back and i still have the, the opportunity to go back home every time since i'm from here yeah. i'm just i just bought a matter to and go mm -hmm. but still i cried because i don't know they're leaving so <laughs> i still cried and i used to go home every saturday every saturday used to find me at home and we chat and we cook and we bake and we dance yeah. So that was first year, most of first year. Yeah, so, I mean, we were so, we, we were so close with my mom and we, and my sister and my brother is close-knit family. And I think in campus, the greatest memory is when I have actually two. One, the, my dad is a strict <laughs> father, so he never used to allow me to travel. I was outside Nakuru for some weird reason. Even if he knows where I am or I'm going to visit a relative or a friend, he won't allow it. So there was this, I think it was March of 2018. I had a, a friend whose sister was getting married, which is a big deal because it was a Ugandan wedding and wanted to see how does this go down. And so I told my mom, I really need to go for this wedding and it's not in Nakuru, it's in Thika. So you just have to allow me somehow and please don't tell my dad. And she says, okay, fine. <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> we can do that. Yes, so she allowed me to go and of course it was submarine under the waters. But she was checking up on me like, oh my god, where are you? Yeah, so like, oh, yeah, we're almost there, we're almost there. Of course she asked for photos and all that it was a fun wedding. So she, she actually wanted to see also how it's done mm -hmm. traditionally for the, from the Buganda, from Kenyans. And also she knew the friend. Mm -hmm. So she knew it was a big deal to me. And she had told me to come back the same day at least to keep my side of the, of the, of the bargain. Oh, and he did not come back the same day. But I told her, yeah, I mean, I'm at, actually in Nifika Gilgil. Yes, I'm almost there, I'll call you when I I was lying, I was lying. And I thought I was being smart. Yeah. So of course, she was, and then she calls back, where are you? Oh, I'm just boarding the matter to, to go back to school now. Oh, okay, fine, safe travel, thank you. And I'm still in Thika, partying. <laughs> so I thought now, she'll never find out. I stayed there till Tuesday and the wedding was on Saturday. So I was just there lying, <laughs> lying to her because she used to call me, hey, so you, you rested now after the journey? Yes, I'm okay. <laughs> and I was just there with my friends. I was just having fun because of course after the wedding there was an after party mm. and all that. I, just, I didn't want to miss out. <laughs> I thought mm, I, played, I played this well. Then she, she said, okay, Saturday, this coming Saturday, I want to see you and take you out. Mm. I was like, hey, nice, I'll come. And she said, it's going to be a girl's day out. So my sister and her and myself are going to go out. So <laughs> Saturday comes, 
and I'm, I'm in school, my sister's at home, so they check and they're like, let's meet at 10 in town. And we do some window shopping, we get some things we want from school, and then we'll go get our nails done, and then have have like Lena, it was uh, way past four. So of course we did that, and I was whispering to my sister, hey, mom didn't know, mom didn't know. <laughs> mom didn't know I came back on Tuesday. Yeah, so Kumbi, she was just there asking me questions like, mm, so how was the journey? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it was good, it was good. The wedding, yeah, nice, ah, okay. And you came back on Saturday, yes, 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 yes. Ah, she's just weighing. Yeah, this cheeky that. So we go for that Lena, and she's like, she called me, one boy. You know, one boy, I know you didn't come back. I'm like, imagine I did. I did. How, why, why did I lie? <laughs> and I'm, I was so defensive. And she was like, that same day, there was traffic along Nairobi Nakuru Highway and people stepped on the road. How do you tell me you came back? Oh, I did not know. I did not know. Actually checking, like the news, yes, there was yeah. traffic. I should have just checked. And because of the rain and something else, yeah. I can't remember. But people slept on the road. And me, I'm here saying, at from Naivasha to Gilgil, it took me 30 minutes. Wow. I had, <laughs> no, I just played myself. So I remember just feeling so guilty because she, she had trusted me. And here I am now betraying her trust and saying, and lying a whole week and still keeping that lie because she was still asking me all through the week. Oh, so it was okay. How is, mm -hmm. how is your friend? Okay. <laughs> oh, and I remember just coming back and writing her a long text. Mom, you know, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to lie to you. You know, I didn't want to disappoint you. Oh, it felt so bad. And she replied saying, it's okay, I forgive you. I just want you to know you can be real with me. You can just tell me you, I could not come back and I to party. And that's better than telling me I'm back. I'm on the way. Yes, it felt so bad. And I really hold that day. At least that day, I, I knew I could tell her anything, mm. actually. And it was true because um, I remember now that now we're in campus, you know, in high school, I was such a bookworm and a nerd. Anyways, to date, mm. I was like, books passed. <laughs> I wouldn't date anybody. And she knew. Yeah. So she was like, yes, nah, it's not time for boys. <laughs> Now, when I go to campus, I'm now seeing boys. I'm like, hey, okay, mom, I'm seeing some people here. <laughs> and so when, when, when around December, I decided to start dating this guy. And I remember we were just, uh, you know, just chilling. I told her, mom, you know, your girl has a boyfriend. She was like, uh -huh. which girl? <laughs> like, of course, me, I have a boyfriend. And she told me, okay, show me his, his, his photo. And I just searched for his photo and then I showed her. She was like, hmm. She's like, take care of yourself. She, he looks like he, he has some something to, him, to, to his being that I don't like. Actually, she didn't like, really like him. But in that, you know, that time, I'm so in love. I didn't want to hear. So yeah, so she asked to meet him. She was, she was cool. She had asked to meet him and actually invited him over for lunch. They had a chat. And I think even telling my friends that story, they are so shocked. You know, your mom can invite <laughs> your boyfriend and still, you're still doing that under waters. My dad is so strict. I just remember how warm she was to him and all that. And it came to a few months down the line and you started now, the honeymoon phase is over. So you start having issues. And every time I had issues with this guy, I used to go to, he, to, to my mom. Instead of going to my friends, <laughs> to my mom like imagine he did this imagine mom he did this and the last blow was around june june 2018 and i was now feeling like no i deserve better <laughs> and i went to her midway through my story and i'm just ranting and ranting to her about this guy and how he's, he's doing such and such and she's like 
Don't you know you are gold? <laughs> don't you know you are gold? about this guy again. Now go and break up with you. I was I was pumped. I was gassed up. I was like, yes, why am I keeping up with this? So I remember just going and calling him and saying it's over after a long conversation. And then back to my mom and said, Yes, I've done it. And we had these things, this this bands, you know, couple goals. He's had my name and I had his name written here. So I remember it was so dramatic with her. And he said, in fact, discard this thing. <laughs> and she actually went and took the scissors and came and discarded them. Yes, it's over. Don't go back. You're gold. <laughs> oh, it was so much fun. Of course, she did not she did not repair me for the heartbreak because now I was so heartbroken. Mm. And she's still telling you you're gold. And you're like, even coming back to school around that time, she would text me, Hi my daughter, what what do you want me to pray for this week? And since I'm so heartbroken and you're not here, she, she, I just used to tell her, for strength, I need strength <laughs> to carry on. I need strength. And she used to pray, pray for strength for yeah. me to go on with life. Because I thought, I, I, I think it was my first heartbreak, so I didn't know this how it's supposed to feel. And I used to actually feel literal pain. Oh, I didn't know. So I remember when after that whole saga, I chose to miss class from Thursday to just go back home for some more therapy. <laughs> Because I was not feeling any of this life. It's too hard. So I used to go back and I just talk to her and talk to her about all that I'm feeling and all these waves. And she, she tells me about his, her relationships from the time she was my age and how they came to be with my dad and all that. So I, I felt like we could relate in that manner. So just remember that that weekend, even <laughs> she used to make really nice uji porridge, really nice porridge. So I remember she, she, she packed them in two liter bottles and said, go take to your friends in school. So I carried four liters of porridge to campus to come and give my friends. And I said, actually, this is the best uji you'll ever get. Mm. It's the best. And actually, they, they agreed. I've never found such uji ever. So she was such, she was a bit dramatic, I think. Yeah, so I just remember the last time I went home, I think it was that, it was either, because of course I was going through that heartbreak. I used to go home a lot to get, mm some more gas in me and <laughs> motivation for life. Yeah, so I went back home, I think, uh, the next week after that, Thursday. When I went back on Thursday, I went mm. the next week. And we baked an orange cake. And I didn't know how to bake at that time, so she, she showed me how to bake. And I remember us dancing in the kitchen. She, she, lo she loved Surayako by Sautiso. So she was dancing to that. And anytime I used to go down, because I was going down and shocking, she used to go down with me and shocking. And of course, she didn't know how to dance, but she used to try. Yeah, so that was the last time I was at home with her. That was July, around July. So around end of July, I remember it was on a, a Saturday going to Sunday. And I just remember having this bad dream. Such a bad dream. It, it, I did not know what it was, but waking up, I just felt there was just something off. And it was so bad, I could feel like a bad taste in my mouth. So uh, since it was Sunday, I said, okay, let me just go to church. So I just wore this tiny black dress, went to church. On the way, I remember just saying, shooting arrow prayers. She used to tell me, you don't have to sit down and, you know, pray. You can just shoot an arrow mm -hmm. to God and can just say what you you want so I was shooting arrow prayers and saying oh sustain god just sustain my parents just give them long life so that they see us as their children make them proud and see what what we we will become and I just remember just saying those words sustain them sustain them then to church i didn't feel anything really it was now a normal day and she called me and she was like 
oh, you didn't come this weekend? It's like, yeah, I have cuts and exams in like two weeks. So I need to be in school. Oh, fine, fine, fine. Uh, in fact, at a, as we are at a church event, mm. yeah, I'll call you back later. So I said, okay, fine, talk later. So that was Sunday and I just remember it was just a normal Sunday. Actually, we were just in my room with my friends. The same Sunday at night, my friends, now I think I can mention them, my friends, Elsie and Raymond and Olive. Elsie and Olive were my roommates and Raymond was just, we gelled so well, so we were really good friends. They came over to my room and now we started talking, just talking and talking and talking. And we, I had noticed Raymond doesn't talk about his dad, but that time he started talking about his dad and like talking and talking about his life. And he even got to how now he had passed on. And that was the first time he was ever sharing about that. It was around July, July 30th. So I was prompting him asking questions like because it was so interesting he he actually shared how it was a big deal because he was top ranks in the police so it was a big deal and it was all over the news and the papers they were writing about it so it felt familiar yet very foreign for some reason it felt like it could resonate with him but i had not experienced that so it really bugged me because he was talking and i was feeling hey so close like mm. he was talking about death and i was feeling it's so close and he ended by saying ah now we're getting to august and august is the month where great people die and i was like "Ooh, okay <laughs> and i didn't ask anything but it was, i just remember the feeling of familiarity to his story and i had a cut the next now the next day on monday i remember having a cut around Four, but I moved from class, went to the library to check for this newspaper because he, he gave me a date mm. and the year and the month where this story of his dad and his passing and how he was shot and all that. And since it's a big deal, then they must have written about it. So I went to the library to look for those papers and it was 2000 something, it was mm. a long time ago. I checked and I found it. Mm. I took a photo and I was just reading as I was going to that cut. I was just reading and reading and reading. It was real i felt oh no okay now i can understand i understand what he he was saying and i didn't tell him about it I didn't, I didn't tell him i'd gone and looked for that paper he had never seen the paper he was so so young that mm. time he had never of course he didn't want to start digging mm. such pain so that was monday and the day ended at that time i was to go for my job for yellow fever so as much as yes i was having cuts and exams i was almost due now for the deadline for getting my job so i remember on tuesday i called my mom and she was off. So that was weird. So weird. Because I texted her, please call me at around six. I'll be out of class. We need to talk about my yellow fever vaccine. So she didn't reply. But that was not weird. At least she has gotten the message. So I just told Raymond and Elsie, mm, my, mom, my mom is off. Maybe I'll just try her some other time. And I, I remember us joking, you guys, you're not calling your moms. You call your moms. Hey, check up on them. <laughs> and of course, they called their moms because I'd ask them to call them. But then she didn't call back that Tuesday. And that was, that was so weird. It was so weird. So it's, we get to Wednesday and I'm feeling, it was just a weird week. But then I can't point out why. But I'm still feeling, hey, there's something so unsettling. They didn't want us up and I wanted to go to town from school. So my roommate's friend Olive was also going to town. Oh, I needed my passport, my passport photo. So I needed to go to town. So I, again, I called my mom and I wanted to tell her, I'm coming to town. We meet up and she was still off. So I called my dad. I'm like, hey, mom is off for two days now. And that's very weird. And of course, my dad is, ah, ah, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. She's fine, she's fine, she's sleeping. And I was like, okay, just tell her to call me back. So I just go to town and I finish my sh shenanigans and come back to school. But still, she's not calling. And so that was, ugh, 
I was now I was mad. I was like, I just call back. I just want to say I need my yellow fever vaccine. That's all. <laughs> so I started thinking. I started thinking. Is she mad at me? And no, everything was not spiraling. What's up? What's up? What's wrong? So that was Wednesday. So Thursday, my brother texts me on WhatsApp and he asks, "Are you coming home this weekend?" Hmm. That was weird. Very weird. He doesn't ask such things. <laughs> so I knew that's when the dots started joining. I was like, there's something up. There must be something up. And so my instinct was telling me, okay, now you need to find out yourself because people are not telling you anything. I just decided, okay, you guys are not saying anything and I won't tell you anything as well. I'll just go to, come to where you are and I'll, go, I'll come home. So that was Thursday. I mean, I, I think I had a, a cut on Friday, so that's why I didn't go on Thursday. So after my cut, again, my lecturer, <laughs> let me just see my lecturer, decided she wants a meeting with us. So I felt like she was delaying me. And it was, there was an event in school. Everyone was so busy and I'm feeling, no, I need to, I need to go, I need to go. And so ah, I decided, okay, fine, I'll, I'll chill a bit. She finishes and she was really delaying us that time. And I was feeling, ah, I need to go. So I called my dad. I was like, I need to talk to mom. I need to talk to her now. And of course, hesitantly, she, he, he, he gave the phone to my mom. And I was like, oh, you're still there. Okay. Yeah. And she was like, in case you need anything, just tell your dad. I was like, okay, okay. And she asked, are you coming home? No, I, I have cats. And of course, I knew I was coming home. I was like, no, I need to find you guys in your element. Mm. That thing you're hiding, I need to see it. So after the meeting, I remember just going back to my room and calling my brother and telling him now I'm coming home and I need you to pick me up in town and don't tell me anything <laughs> and for some reason I started crying I started crying and I was praying and crying and coincidentally Raymond now my friend who's you know shared about his dad came over to my room at that specific time he got to understand what was happening he didn't ask me anything but somehow he I think felt so he actually took me it's a long way from my room to the main gate so he just walked with me and just said, said okay fine you'll tell me how things are I was like okay fine and I was so afraid of what I was going to find so I went uh, to town and called my my brother and I told him now I'm at such and such a place just come for me I think I was at get house come come for me she said okay okay as we are just eating uh, we'll, we'll come over and I was like you're eating funny it's not that serious. You know, I'm like, it's scares. You're so confusing. Mm -hmm. One time you're so frantic and you're just hiding, hiding things. Now you're telling me you're having lunch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So I just waited and he came over and he, instead of going home, he took a detour. He went, he, he, he was going to a hospital. I, I knew this, 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 there's something wrong. There's something wrong. When he packed, I just asked him, well, are we going to a ward or a mortuary? And he said, ah, we, ah. Wait, okay, wait, okay, let's go, let's go. I was like, no, you tell me where we are going. Me, I want to be ready. Because my intuition told me there's something wrong and you guys are not telling me anything. That's why I'm here. And even mom and dad don't know I'm here. So just tell me. I said, yeah, see, she's in room eight. Ebu, Ebu, let's go, you see her. And I was like, why are you not telling me she was in hospital? And uh, of course, it was not his fault because I think he was also told. By that time, I didn't know. So we, <clears throat> we just got to room eight. And of course, my mom was there. And... My dad was there and some family members and I just remember hugging her and crying. I just broke down and I cried and I cried and I cried. And of course she was like, no, you won't talk to me with those tears. You will not, I will not, I will not tolerate those tears. Just wipe out your tears and I won't, I won't see you crying. And I was like, mom, you're in hospital. How do I not cry? She's like, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine, you're saying I'm fine. I'm like, okay, fine. And I stopped crying and actually she was being discharged, so I, things were good. So we just went and paid up or sorted out the insurance. And now 
and she said okay my boy will prepare me for home and she was drowsy and sleepy i just remember combing her hair and you know giving her everything she needed you want this so it was unpacking her things and all that and since she was a bit weak she held me and we went to the mirror and she looked at herself she's like ah you've done a good job you've done a good job with this hair <laughs> Yeah, so after that, of course, we prayed and we went home. Now, um, my brother was the one driving us, my, my mom and I, and my dad was coming with their brother to my mother, my uncle. So, of course, this whole time, my mom is saying, I feel sleepy. I feel sleepy, but I don't want to, to leave you. And I'm like, Mom, so you just sleep. I'll go and cook and I'll, I'll wake you up. We eat. And I'm like, ah, no, no, I don't want to leave you. But I feel sleepy. And I'm like, ah, now, uh, if you want to sleep, sleep. And she, she just decided not to sleep. So she was just there. Of course, you know, we're calling people and saying, oh, she's out of hospital now. Uh, things are fine. Our close friends. So, of course, that time I was not really a good cook. Because I used to be very dependent on her. So when it was time to cook, I had to call her from where she was. And of course, she's been discharged. Mm. <laughs> but I'm like, mom, just come sit here. So that you pima for me this, mm. <laughs> this oil. <laughs> and how much flour I need for the ugali. So she was just sitting there and it was, I put something and then I asked, is that okay? Okay. Is that okay? So that's how we used to cook as, as we just tell each other stories. And of course, she was telling me, you know, about her. It was just, just random stories. I was telling her about school and how it was and how we need to sort out this yellow fever vaccine. And it, just, it was just a random chat. I just remember us eating. We actually had, I love Ugali. My family loves Ugali. So we just had Ugali and some meat and cabbage. And we just ate and watched tv as we were laughing and of course she now had to take her meds and go to sleep so we prayed and all that it was just a routine good night good night and then she calls me back to her room and she's asking where did you keep my sleeping net because you're the one who packed it i was like oh yeah yeah yeah, i kept it here and she said okay bye and i was like okay bye 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 very casually because <laughs> now she had prepared me tomorrow you're waking up and making eggs for the whole family and you have to make tea and by seven your dad should be prepared <laughs> I was like, bye bye and i think i was watching something interesting i was like hey, bye 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 good night yeah and so after that it was just now me going to sleep so i just went to sleep and i just remember at around like 12 1 a.m my dad just banged on my door and just opened it was just very hysterical and very frantic talking 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 my brother and i now just come out, come out. I was so confused. I was like, what's happening? And then going to the veranda, now the corridor leading to the kitchen, my mom was lying there. And my dad was like, bring your duvet and your pillow. We cover her. And I was like, okay. But still, I'm still sleepy and I'm so confused. I'm like, what's happening? So I bring my duvet and my pillow and I placed it beneath her head and I cover her. And we're like, okay, she's fine. And I ask, what just happened? And my dad's like, I also don't know. We were just walking and she just lay down like she she got weak and i was like okay and everything was fine we were just like okay let's call the doctor who discharged her and just tell them what just happened so as my dad is going for the phone and my brother and i are just you know there wondering what's what's up we all went silent even before my dad went we all went silent like like something spoke to us but still we don't know like it was such a weird silence and then everyone started rushing because i think we felt something has happened so i just remember being so frantic so frantic everyone is just trying to find 
like my brother is trying to find the khakis, my brother, my dad is trying to find the phone and I'm there trying to, you know, give her my breath and do CPR and everything I could do. Everything I was watching <laughs> from Grey's Anatomy, I was now trying to practice. I was like, nope. This cannot happen. This cannot happen. And we're trying to drag her now or carry her. Because my brother had gotten the keys and driven, and driven the car to the main door. And so we were trying to carry her there. And I think, I think at that point is when it dawned on me. Oh my God, no, 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 it can, it, no, it cannot be true. So what I did, of course, being raised from, <laughs> coming from a Christian background, I did not want to ask, to even say, to, to, to speak it out but I think I felt her spirit leave and I started praying and I was wailing and shouting and screaming at 2am <laughs> and we have a church nearby and they were it was Friday going to Saturday so they had this night prayers keshas I think I was just looking for something Christian like or godly or something to look up to and I saw the moon it was a full moon and I was looking at the moon and saying, God, just one last time, just one, I would, I will not pray about this again. Just one last time. I need her here. Just one last time. And I was shouting and shouting and praying and praying. And of course, my dad was trying to say, you're wasting time. Let's, let's, if we, let's do this. Get her into the car and then we get to the hospital. At least we know what's happening. And I was like, no, Amy, I know what has happened. If you don't want to accept, I know what has happened. So my dad, uh, I think she, he saw I'm not helping. So <laughs> he went to the church that was nearby and got two guys who helped him carry my mom to the back seat. So he told me, get in the car. Stop, stop what you're doing. And of course, I was, uh, I, I think it was, I was barefoot. And it was, I think I went mad for, for a second. I was so crazy and shouting. And even those guys came in and they were like, hey. What's wrong with this chick? So I just sat there and holding her. And still, that time, I was trying to give her my breath and do anything I could. I, I was putting keys into her mouth and anything, anything I could think of. And at the same time, still yelling and praying and wailing and screaming and everything I could I did, I did. Because I thought the first instinct was, I think I can negotiate on your behalf. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're not conscious? I think I can do this for you. Mm -hmm. So, and I've, you know, I've, you've taught me that this God has moved mountains and he has raised Lazarus. I mean, what is this? Mm -hmm. This is so simple. So I was still believing that something, a miracle will happen. Because of course, in my eyes, she's immortal. So I, I was just, uh, uh, no. Something has to happen. So we got to her to the hospital, the same hospital we took her from. We had discharged her from that previous day. And of course, the nurses, oh, you know, Kenyan nurses, sometimes they can be rude. So we get to the to the main door and they bring a stretcher. And I just ask the nurse, is she okay? Is she okay? And she's like, eh, eh, so I'm in Takwambian in size. What do you want me to tell you? And I was like, okay, that's so insensitive. So I, I was looking for the doctor. My brother had to go pack the car and we just with my, my, my dad. And of course, they take her to the emergency room. And now the, the doctor, I just remember he was so big. He comes over and he checks the stethoscope and he checks and he checks. And I'm still, fingers crossed, some, just do something. And then he comes out and says, I, I need to talk to you now, signaling my dad, I need to talk to you. And I knew, ah, no. Actually, I didn't let him do anything. I just said, tell me, just tell me. I'm also, I have rights here, just tell me. And he said, oh, uh, there's nothing we can do. Oh my God, I became, I now went mad, more mad than I was. I fell down in the hospital and I was screaming. I was screaming and screaming and the nurses were coming and, you know, trying to lift me up and take me. I, did, I think they, they wanted to take me to a ward or something because <laughs> it was not normal. What I was doing was not normal. Then I was still like, no, let me go to my mom, let me go to my mom. And I went there 
And still, I still want to give her my breath. I still want to resuscitate her. I was like, these doctors don't know what they're doing. They can do something about this. I was even telling them, just do something. At least I think you're doing something. You just, just sit in there. And then even the nurses are shocked. But now, what are you doing? Why are you standing there shocked? Do something. They're like, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do. I just felt so helpless. Yet, I want to help her. So, I'm seeing my dad is seated. And I'm wondering, what's up with this guy? Because what just happened isn't normal. And I go there to sit with him. And he's like, you know, everything happens for the good of those who love him. Eh. I'm like, what is so good here? But of course, him being a Christian man. And being he has raised us in church. So... I think the first thought was, this is God's plan. And I was not seeing any, any plan there to begin with, even godly. So my brother comes over from parking the car and of course he's told or he sees, I don't even know what happened. And I think he also fell. I think he fainted. As in everything was just so haywire. So my dad is seated. He was the calm one there. He's just seated and looking at now this lifeless body you're seeing there. And it's everything, like it's everything I've ever, she is everything I've ever known. So I'm just there still talking to him. Like, you have to wake up. You have to wake up. I was, I remember just saying, who do you want me to talk to? Because you remember all those stories. I'm saying, she was my first uh, go-to person. So everything used to happen to me. And I'm like, hey, mom, this has happened. So I just remember thinking, what next? Like, how is life going to be after this? So, yeah, we just stayed there. And of course, there are protocols to be followed since the death happened outside the hospital. We cleared that and it was time to go home. <laughs> so, going home, I think I was still in denial. So, I went back to sleep. <laughs> went back to sleep in the same position I was before my dad woke me up. And I was like, it's a sick joke. It's a very sick joke and it's a nightmare. Let me sleep and wake up and make those eggs I was told to make. And my dad should be ready by seven and make tea for everyone. So let me just sleep. And I went back to sleep. And of course, I could not sleep. So I just remember my, my brother coming and telling me, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, no, 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 no. Out. Everyone out. This is a sick joke. It's going to, let's wake up. Let's wake up. It's a nightmare. And I, and I went back to sleep. Ah, I was just waiting and, and hoping that I'll wake up and maybe find her making porridge or wake up and find I'm late and she scolds me for being late and for not preparing my dad or something. Something normal. This is not normal. And waking up, I find guests in the sitting room. Ay, 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 ay. No. <laughs> this is real. It's happening. Oh, and now that's when I called some of my friends to tell my other friends. Because even speaking it out is like, it's so absurd. It's it should not it should not even be normal i don't know how, how i did it so of course asking you have a, a week or less than a week for mourning and planning the funeral and still during that week i was praying to the god of lazarus <laughs> to raise her i was like no 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 seven billion people and just choose this no you can't be serious you cannot be serious you know what what we'll do I'll give you these six days that you're preparing this burial. You raise hard. You, you have to imagine. You have to. So I used to wake up every day and still hope that we'll say, oh, the, the plans have been cancelled. <laughs> She's now up. <laughs> and one day goes, another day goes. And I'm like, whoa. We are actually approaching the 10th of August. And it's her funeral. And I just remember when people used to come and they, they sing all those Chakutuma Inisina. And I'm like, what? It's actually my mom's. Uh, morning period, like it's a week for morning. My mom, oh no. And I just remember that's when my dad got this high blood pressure. She, he, he, he started feeling, I think it was such a shock to everyone. And my sister also, who was in school at that time. 
so she didn't get to experience all this now she's coming home to so many guests and nobody's telling her anything and i'm told you go tell her I'm like what how do i tell her our mother is gone so it was such a long week comes to the 9th of august and i'm like lord are you serious it's tomorrow you have a deadline to beat <laughs> it's tomorrow I mean, Changamka. And it's the 9th of August. And I, I, I remember just feeling so angry. So angry at life. So angry at everyone who's laughing. Because people used to come. And maybe they're not so attached. So they're just coming to, you know, for the technical appearance. And, you know, yeah, we are here with you. Tukopamoja. And maybe after that, they start making jokes. And I'm like, excuse? There's nothing to laugh about here. So just remember feeling so sensitive and so angry at everyone at life. And it comes to the 10th of August and exactly the day and nothing has happened and God has not worked his miracles. Aye, it was so hard. And I just remember waking up that day and looking at her closet and her photos and actually the program at Yamu there, daughter of the late. I know, it's not right. It's just not right. And I was still, I think I was still denying the fact that it has happened as much as everything is showing that it has happened so the 10th of august comes and i just remember wearing her makeup and my sister went and we asked to put some things in her casket and my sister did her makeup and we were all just so hot we were i don't know she she was our world so it was she is our world so it was it was like our heart has left it was some part of us is being married the same day so we had this ceremony oh my god and it was time for the tributes so of course i'm the last born my dad goes first and then my brother and all of them are crying and and for some weird reason my dad just has to quote a bible verse and he says i don't mourn like those who don't know jesus i'm like hey please let's mourn <laughs> it's the whole world our world has crashed so he he's there and he, i remember i he, he read a very beautiful tribute and he was actually tearing and he's the leader of the and he was known for you know in church and such a leader and he was tearing because this is real the pain is real and my brother comes and my sister and then myself oh that was the toughest i think just saying now saying it and i remember it was starting in all the days god has given me i've never seen a day as dark as the 4th of august because i lost everything my world came to a halt so of course after that now um it's time to take her home and of course we traveled with her going to hospital and now it's it's the it's the time she's coming back home from that time from that day we took her to hospital and she's coming back horizontally and i could not believe it still when you're now drawing her from the house and now going to her place of rest and i was walking backwards because now she was coming because she was being, she was being brought by the first people my brother and my, my my dad and i was just holding her photo and she's coming over ah and my friend stacy was the one now guiding me because of course i can't see behind me and i didn't care at that time but it was now that was this most surreal moment this is her home but she's coming back lifeless oh that was so hard it was just so hard so i think the final bit now when i knew god you're not doing anything about this was when now you say ashes to ashes and you <laughs> and you throw soil and then dust to dust and you and you actually feel it like the, the casket and you feel it and i was like oh my god it's so final it's so final and it was now singing and you know throwing and us putting flowers and all that and I remember that day it rained so heavily and the first thought was oh my god is she cold how is she feeling oh and of course now that time things are just okay because people are around people are around to cheer you up people whatever you need is being brought because now you're the vulnerable group 
<laughs> for just around until now everyone leaves and you're left there with your family and you used to be five and now you're four and obviously something is missing obviously and you can feel it and of course us now we didn't want to talk about it because it was so it hit us so hard and it was not a process and of course my dad is still saying god loves us ah no i don't want to hear this god has failed me i asked him i gave him a deadline it was the 9th of august he has not done anything so i don't want to hear anything about this god so of course i was very i just of course my mom had mentioned about the stages of, of of grief she was a psychologist so of course i'd had all this denial this bargaining but of course that was just theory and now it's here for me to practice so my denial of course was when i went back home and still slept hoping and also just praying that she was she, she she's too she's that special to be raised <laughs> and the others be left in the morgue <laughs> of course that was my denial and i remember just going to bargaining and i was looking at even people even myself i was like god after even i, I took alcohol punish me not her because that was the first time i came to campus and now i was tasting you know the party life and i was like god i've done this if it's punishing me take me not her i was bargaining and i was just seeing even that guy he's such a sinner you could have taken him not my mom and i was I was like, I was looking for people, options. God, did you run out of options of what happened? Because not her, not her. She was too good. She's too good. Ah, and so somehow it's crazy. But even like four months down the line, I was still waiting for for him to come over and dig that whole place and say, okay, now come back to life. <laughs> for some weird reason, and I used to believe it. In my heart of hearts, I knew it could happen. So I went now to anger. And that's the stage I stayed for so long. Because I think I used to detest the sunrise i was like how how can you bring a new day and she's not here how do you allow me to leave and people to leave who are you the audacity how how do you leave and she's not here and i used to we loved flowers with her i still love flowers she loves flowers and i used to see them blooming and blossoming and i'm like what you're still here you're still you know glowing and she's not here and it's see the buds and everything is just life is still moving and my life is not like i felt like the world should have just ended all the same because mine has so i don't get why people are still living like it's still normal i was so angry at everyone who was laughing and smiling and i was like you guys there's nothing but good about this life so of course that time I was not the best person to be around <laughs> i was so irritable and so bitter you could not even tell me a joke because there's nothing good about this life anymore so i stayed there for so long and i was of course blaming everyone around me blaming because you know the worst part was we didn't know what happened was it a cardiac arrest and i didn't want an autopsy because i'd seen how it's done in school and i'd seen how they mutilate the body and i didn't want my mom to go through that so we decided we are going to make peace with not knowing what happened but we didn't know we needed answers so trying to find answers like what happened what happened you find yourself blaming so many things so many people so many events and it's just not it it's just not it so of course i stayed like that for so long fighting this feeling and trying to survive live, live day by day and I, ah, i hated the sunrise i really hated every new day i was just like i, I don't want to live anymore and i felt like the nighttime resonated with me because everything was just peaceful and dark like my environment so until like I think six months down the line is when now I s decided to stop fighting and actually face that she's never coming back mm. and I'll never see her in this flesh and 
I decided to just sit with grief and have a conversation with it. Because, of course, it was here to teach me something. You can't come out of such things the same way. So I sat with grief and started to accept that this is my life now. This is, this is what has happened and there's no going back from this. So I just remember reading somewhere an article and it was so timely because it was saying grief is the price we pay for love. So there's nothing wrong with how it's feeling and wishing it was somebody else and not hard. And being so angered and so bitter with life. It was just that I loved her so much that I had never imagined my life without her. I had thought, actually we had plans. Me, in fact, two weeks before she passed on, we, had, we were talking about my Rorashio, my traditional wedding. And we had plans of how she was going to ask for that money. You have, you have took, taken me through school. Take that money from that guy. So we had plans. We had seen my graduation, my kids. And I was telling her how I just don't want many girls. I'll beat them up. Like, she was like, no, me, I'll beat you for beating them. <laughs> So we had, we had seen our life together. And so coming to a point of acceptance that, okay, fine, she's not here and she's never coming back. I think, ah, oh, that was, that was, that was another, uh, it was a whole other story. And actually just reading grief is the price you pay for love. Really helped me understand that the pain I was feeling was so immense because the love is as immense as the pain I was feeling. And the pain is real. I can't just pretend and walk around and say, ah, it happens. No, that has, I'll never have another mother. So it has happened to me. So I also got to understand, uh, like this quote I read from Oscar, Oscar Wilde. He says, death is so beautiful. To lie in the soft brown earth and to have the grasses way above your head. To have no today and no tomorrow. To forgive life, to be at peace and to forget time. And I think thinking about that, it is beautiful. She's now at rest. She's now not ailing. She's no, she doesn't have any stress. I'm down here being stressed. <laughs> I know she's at peace and it's a beautiful thing that she is at a place where her soul has rested. And of course, um, I think I also learned the, <laughs> that we, we have angels amongst us. We, we, we are blessed with angels and we need to just see them because during that time, as much as I was not the best person to be around and I was very irritable and very bitter and very angered, I had friends. I had friends. I had a very beautiful circle of friends because they stuck by me even during those times I used to snap. I used to snap so bad. When someone talks about their mother, I'm like, are you boasting? Are you trying to tell me I don't have mine or what are you trying to do? <laughs> to be very i don't know there's just something but they stuck by me till now till now they're still there and we celebrate her together so of course every fourth of august we do something and of course my friends still remember and they're like oh she was like this those who got to meet her and they know they know my friends know those who knew me then and know me now though they know that being here is a miracle it's a whole ah oh, it's a miracle i need to stop i need to cry <laughs> Because of course I was so fond of my mom and somehow it was it, it seemed impossible to live without her um, but it's now three years down the line and we celebrated uh, the third anniversary just last week it was beautiful it was beautiful and I think I just I, it's it's still a journey I don't think I can say I've, I've healed <laughs> of course my mind has regressed some things and it's no longer as painful as it was but I think as much as I'd like to stick to that story of how she died and how it was painful and how it took me long and my family as well, we had to go through a long process 
uh, starting from even knowing the why, which we didn't have. It was a long journey and still is a long journey. As much as that's still a story and we cannot minimize it, I'd love to celebrate her life. Because before she died, she lived and she lived such a beautiful life that we all are inspired by her. And I am inspired to live a better life and to leave a legacy like she did. This is her jubilee year. She would have turned 50 in October. I'd love you as you listen to this story and you, as you listen to my journey. I hope it, it brings new hope. Whatever storm you're facing, everything will come to pass. This too shall pass. As much as it's weighing down on you and you feel like it will never be over, just know that this too shall pass. Catch more African stories in the next episode of Legally Clueless. Wasn't that just such a powerful story? I identified with so many things from like the memory she has of her mom dancing together, baking together. My mom and I used to bake together and it's something that I don't do too often, but I do it when I'm either really happy or really stressed out. So I baked, I think a week ago, but I was just really happy that it's almost Christmas. And anyway, when she was talking about that, I was like, my mom's the one who taught me how to bake. I remember doing that with her. And that was back in the day when there were not electric mixers. So we had to take like the sufuria, aka the pot and like amwiko. I don't know what amwiko is in English. And we would have to, like my mom, she's like, we're using butter and na 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 and you'd have to like mix the butter and the sugar and you're just there mixing trying to get it to <laughs> get into this paste and your hand is like tired it wants to fall off but it's such a, a good memory though that I have when it came to ditching school I completely identified with that I remember like being in class seven and my mom, I was going to be changing schools anyways and going to a different country. And she literally would ask me in the morning, do you feel like going to school today? And I was just like, no. <laughs> and that's how I would stay home. Even when it came to relationships, I remember my first relationship, I didn't have a cell phone. My mom was like, she would never buy us a cell phone. The most she would do is like probably pay half the amount. And this was when cell phones were super expensive. So at that point, I mean, I was 15 where was I getting that money my mom and I shared her cell phone and so this guy I was dating was like sending texts not knowing my mom and I are the ones receiving it you know but that's how close we were and I remember even when he ended up cheating on me she was one of the first people I told and she was just like that bastard <laughs> And I still remember her sitting up in her bed and be like, that bastard. And I was just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was one was dating him. Why are you so pressed? <laughs> but yeah, so like when I was listening to Anne's story and the memories especially, I was just like, oh my word. I remember so many things as well. Even when she talked about doing her mom's makeup in hospital when her mom was about to be discharged i remember doing the same when my mom would be either hospitalized for chemo and things like that you would never find my mom without lipstick and so you know we would be the ones doing her makeup so wild i've never ever heard a story that connected with so deeply on so many levels and Anne is just so graceful every word that tumbles out of her mouth is like covered in grace it's 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 so powerful to watch. And by the way, you can watch her in the Legally Clueless Tours Nakuru episode. That's on our YouTube channel. She's just like, she is just ugh, 
so graceful, so powerful. And obviously that comes from a foundation of strength. I'm just so glad that she shared this story with us. So I am going to wrap up the episode here because it's a really long episode. Do remember, if you check out the show notes, there's links to our Instagram, to our YouTube channel. There's also a link to a Google form. If you want to share your story, just fill it out. I'll get back to you. If there's something that you connected with on this episode, in the show notes, there is our hotline number. Just record a voice note and send that via WhatsApp to the number. And then the final thing, if you are in Kenya, you can listen to this podcast on Trace Radio every Monday and Wednesday at 12 noon and 11 p.m. and every Friday at 12 noon just head over to traceradio.co.ke for a list of all the frequencies around Kenya and of course you can stream Trace there as well. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.